Shall we turn now for a few moments to the passage which we read together in the prophecy of Jeremiah? The prophecy of Jeremiah, chapter 36, and at verse 23. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he, that is the king, cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. Despite our society's determined dedication to progress and its equally determined pursuit of pleasure, we discover all around us a residual sense of fear and a deep lack of inner certainty. One obvious reason for this is the threat of nuclear war and global disaster between the two superpowers of this point of history, the Soviet Union on the one hand and the United States of America on the other. We find ourselves today in this country as in other countries in Western Europe between the two great powers of this point of human history. Now such a situation of fear, such a situation of uncertainty is by no means new. In fact, the passage which we have read from the book of Jeremiah was written against a similar kind of background. The two great powers in Jeremiah's day were Babylonia and Egypt. And there was fear on the part of many people in Judah because the nation of Egypt had suffered a great defeat. It is as if the Americans had been defeated by the Russians you can imagine the panic, the fear, the uncertainty that would spread throughout Western Europe and indeed throughout the rest of the world. And that's the kind of background against which the, this incident took place. Israel and Judah were buffer, buffer states between the great powers of antiquity. First of all, Assyria, and later, Babylonia to the north and Egypt to the south. And much of the ministry of the prophets of the Old Testament was enacted uh, in that power situation. And God's, they, they were called upon to bring God's word in that situation. 
The situation at this particular point of time was that the Egyptian army had been defeated by the Babylonians at Carchemish. And the Babylonians were marching towards Judah. There was only one superpower. And Judah previously had allied itself with Egypt. And so one can imagine the panic. One can imagine the sense of unsettlement on the part of the people in uh, Judah. In fact, Jehoiakim the king was a protege of the king uh, of Egypt. And he was deeply worried as the Babylonian army under its brilliant commander, a man called Nebuchadnezzar, drew ever nearer. And so the king called a fast. He called a fast which seems to have uh, celebrated the, the defeat of the, of the town of Ashkelon uh, by the Babylonians, a town which, although outside Judah, was geographically very near. Now Jeremiah, as a prophet, had the word of the Lord. <clears throat> And his word was that the Babylonian empire was, had been raised up by God as a judgment upon Judah, unless Judah would repent. He emphasized that the Babylonians would come as a judgment, but he also emphasized that that judgment could be averted if there was repentance and if there was a turning to God in faith. And this is why Jeremiah was banned from the temple. He had been silenced from speaking officially at least in the place of, in the religious center of the land. And surely if a prophet had the right to speak anywhere it was in the temple. But that right was denied Jeremiah because the king regarded his message as treason. And so Jeremiah was forbidden. Jeremiah was silenced. Jeremiah was told to keep quiet because God's word disturbed the king. And still today, God's word has a disturbing role First of all, this morning I would look, like us to think of ways in which God's word today still comes to us as a disturber. God's word comes very often into the lives of men and women, breaking in, breaking into the lives and into the personalities of men and women who don't naturally want it, who don't want to hear what the word of the Lord has to say. And their attitude is often similar to that of the king on this occasion. They want to cut the word of God off. They want to uh, resist it. They want to turn their backs upon it. And so the word of God has to break through this barrier which men and women erect against it. Martin Luther said that when God comes to us, he comes to us first of all as an adversary. 
He comes to us as an adversary because we have made ourselves his enemy on the part of our sins. He comes to us as an adversary because we reject him and we have rejected him and we find ourselves the members of a race, of a humanity, which has not only turned its back upon God, but has rebelled against him. Our sin is not merely negative, it is also positive. And so that's why when God's word comes to us, it comes to us as an adversary, first of all. It comes to disturb us. It comes to alarm us. It comes to awaken us. And this was why the king cut up the word of God and burnt it in that dramatic fashion in the fire as he and his courtiers that cold December huddled round that fire. He took it as it was read inch by inch and he cut it and he burnt it. It wasn't the first time nor was it the last time that the word of God was burnt. But it may be that there are many people who have never literally burnt a Bible, who nevertheless have rejected and perhaps still are today rejecting the message of the Word of God. The Word of God comes in this disturbing role. Why is this? Well, there are various reasons. First of all, because the Word of God respects no person. God's word comes to us all as men and women made in his image, as men and women who have sinned against him. And God's word is the same for the person who's king as for the person who may be pe a peasant. God's, God's word addresses men and women equally because all of us are made in the image of God and therefore have a primary responsibility to do the will of God. Equally, all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So God's word comes to us. God's word is a great leveler in that sense. It comes to all of us, whatever our station in life, whatever our influence or our position may be. And we see that the word of God restricts, it respects no person in this incident here and that the word of God came to the king. The prophets of the Old Testament were men who were faithful in proclaiming the, the message of the Lord to their rulers. And if you look at the, at the other history of other civilizations, you will find almost without exception that the religious leaders and the so-called the, the equivalent of the prophets were psychophants. In other words, they were people who told the kings and the rulers what they wanted to hear. But not so, God's faithful prophets of the Old Testament. They proclaimed God's word without fear and without favor. And so God's word comes to us today. It comes to all, rich and poor, black and white, high and low. And God's word is a message for all of us. And initially God's word comes to us to disturb us. God's word comes to us to break in to our complacency. God's word in that sense is like a thief. It breaks in. We don't want 
it to come. We don't want to be disturbed. Many of us have a big sign up outside our lives which says, do not disturb. But nevertheless, God's word comes to us. And God's word breaks in. And some people are taken by surprise when they discover that the word of God has already broken in. And has already arrested them. And has already disturbed them. God's word disturbs us because it respects no person. And we need to remember that today, do we not? We remember how Andrew Melville challenged James VI on one well-known occasion. And he said to him, Sir, there are two kings and two kingdoms in Scotland. There is Christ Jesus and his kingdom, the Kirk, whose subject James the King, James VI is, and of his kingdom not a king, nor a head, nor a lord, but a member. God's word respects no person. And God speaks to the high as he speaks to the low. He speaks to the rulers as he speaks to the ruled. God's word comes and challenges us and disturbs us. It lays the demands of God's law before us. It brings the demand, the, the command to follow the Lord God to heart and to conscience. And God's word when it comes to us, it comes to us in such a way that it pulls no punches. We see, for example, the words of the, the word of the Lord as it came to Jeremiah in verse 3. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. The word of God calls a spade a spade. There's no beating about the bush. There's no mild, ambiguous, uh, diplomatic language here. The word of God comes and tells us where we stand. There's no ambiguity. There's no doubt. The issues are much too serious and much too solemn. And of course, this is another reason why we find the word of God disturbing. Because when the word of God comes, there's no sugar on the pill. The word of God comes as a sword, says the writer to the Hebrews, to pierce, to divide asunder a, a soul and marrow. The word of God comes to penetrate our conscience. The word of God comes pulling no punches. A friend of mine who for a number of years was a prison chaplain in the south said that on one occasion he was preaching at a chapel service in the prison and one, minister, one uh, prisoner came up to him afterwards and he said, what we like about you is that you tell us the score. And the word of God certainly tells us the score. It brings us to the bottom line and it tells us that we are sinners it tells us that because of our sin we are under the judgment of God. It tells us that we cannot save ourselves. 
It tells us that we need a saviour. It tells us that God has given a saviour in Jesus Christ. And it tells us that that saviour is able to save us and is willing to save us on our turning to him in repentance and in faith. The word of God pulls no punches. And because of this, the word of God offends. Because there's something in all of us which likes to think that we can save ourselves. That we can somehow rather pull ourselves up to the standards that God expects of us. But the word of God reminds us again and again that we simply cannot do that. That we constantly fall short. That the standards are perfection. The standards are the holiness of God. The standard is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And none of us, not one of us, can, can attain that. And we're disturbed when we discover that and when we're reminded of it in the Word of God. The Word of God respects no person. The Word of God pulls no uh, punches. But the Word of God goes even deeper because the Word of God cuts us to the quick. We read in verse 16 that the officials were afraid. They were afraid or they were, they were alarmed. They were, they were badly frightened. They were disturbed. Here was the word of God coming and disturbing the court, disturbing the nation. They thought that they, 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 thought that they had silenced Jeremiah. But Jeremiah, under the guidance of God, had found a way of, of bypassing this prohibition and of communicating the word of God. And as a result, the officials were alarmed, and so also were the king. He was so alarmed indeed that he took his knife and he cut and he cut and he cut and he cut the word of God. He did it out of fear because he was deeply concerned and afraid. The word of God is a sword, as we've said. It pierces to our conscience. And the word of God wounds before it heals. It breaks right through to the heart and makes us conscious of our standing before God. And it brings us to recognize our hopelessness and our need of a Savior in Jesus Christ. I read just yesterday of a Muslim devotee in Indonesia. And he began to read the New Testament because he wanted to be able to argue against Christianity. But the more he read the Gospels, the more he came to realize that his life fell far short of the standards of Jesus Christ. He found that that word which he took and which he read in order to be better able to oppose Christianity, in fact, cut him to the quick. It became a sword, the sword of the Spirit. And it, uh, it, it brought him to realize his need. He came to realize that he could not get to heaven by through his own good works. He came to realize that he could not hope to stand before God on the basis of his own religious performance. And by the grace of God, that man was brought to the feet of Christ. And that's the whole point 
for which God has given us his word, that it might bring us to the feet of Christ. But in order to, in order to do that, we have to be broken down because we're stubborn and we're hard and we're rebellious. But God's word comes in order to, 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 to break us down, to break into our lives. And God comes to us through his word, both as an adversary and as a friend. But never let us forget that God's word comes to us in this uh, adversarial role. It comes to us uh, in order to disturb us. It comes to us in order to alarm us. In order to bring us to our spiritual senses. In order to help us to realize our need of a saviour in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first point that I want to emphasize this morning is that the word of God fulfills this role of breaking in. Breaking into the complacency, breaking into the religiosity, bringing it, breaking into the self-righteousness of men and women. It breaks in, it disturbs. It alarms. And that's one of the reasons why there have been people and there still are people today who do not want to see the word of God being spread. Because it disturbs them. Because it offends them. The word of God offends and breaks in. But secondly, I believe that this story shows us ways in which the word of God breaks through barriers, human barriers, which are erected against it. We see, uh, for example, that uh, the king here sought to silence the prophet Jeremiah. And he thought he had succeeded. He had uh, had him excluded from the temple. But Jeremiah, under the guidance of God, found a way round or through this prohibition. He was prohibited from speaking but he was not prohibited from writing. And so he committed his prophecies to writing and Barach took them down. And Barach read the message in the temple court. He read the message to the people. And in the providence of God, Jeremiah's prophecies have been recorded and they have come down to us in this book. And one of the reasons perhaps why many of, the, of these prophets' messages were recorded was that they were rejected initially. And we have today these prophets, the message of these prophets recorded in the providence of God because there was this opposition, because these, there were these barriers erected. And so although the temple was denied Jeremiah, he was able to, under the guidance of God, to overcome this barrier. And still today, there are barriers which have to be overcome in communicating the Word of God. The Word of God is a message which comes to us not only through one medium, or we are accustomed today to think of the Word of God in uh, written form but of course initially the word of God came verbally as, it, as we see in this story and it was 
translated into a written medium in order very often to overcome a barrier. And sometimes today we have to convert the Word of God from a written medium back into a verbal medium in order to overcome a barrier. Let me explain what I mean. There are many millions of men and women who cannot read in the world today. It is true that many of them are learning to read. Someone has reckoned that there are four new readers in the world every minute of the day. But that being the case, nevertheless, there are many millions of men and women, especially women in African and in Muslim countries, who, as far as we can see, will never learn to read. And how can we provide the Word of God for them? Well, one of the ways in which we do it is to put the scriptures onto cassette. And so cassettes can be distributed. And it's quite extraordinary how cassette players are found in many different countries of the world and in all sort of obscure places. One problem, of course, is that batteries are not found in many of these, uh, many of these isolated villages. And so the Bible societies have, 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 have helped to, to create two types of cassette players which are independent of batteries or, or, or of electricity. One has a, a winding mechanism somewhat similar to the, the old gramophones that there used to be many years ago. And more recently we've developed a solar powered cassette player. And of course in many of these countries there's no shortage of, of sunshine and the sun can in this way help to spread the Word of God. And there are many thousands of people who are discovering the Word of God for the first time because a little bit of imagination has been used to, 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 to overcome a barrier. Just as, as, as the Jeremiah the prophet overcame the verbal barrier that he had by committing his message to writing, so today we are seeking to uh, take this message which has been written and to make it spoken again to enable people who are unable to read to hear the word of God. And in, in some tribes in, in Africa, and the Walaita people, for example, in the Sudan, many of them uh, know passages of scripture by heart. Many of them who cannot read. In the case of the Walaita, the reading of the scripture was, was uh, sometimes in places uh, set to some of their traditional music so that they, they sing it at their work and they sing it as they travel. And those who have visited that tribe uh, have told me that in fact the, 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 the Walaita Christians who can't read know their Bibles better than those who can. Because they've committed so much of the scriptures to memory. And so the word of God is still today breaking through barriers. There's the barrier of education, the barrier of literacy, or of illiteracy, is one which, by the grace of God, we seek to overcome. And of course, there are also superstitious barriers. There's the barrier of superstition. For a few weeks last winter, it was my privilege to visit the country of Brazil. One of the largest and most dynamic countries in the world. A country where the evangelical making tremendous strides. I was tremendously impressed by the missionary spirit of the church. And the church in Brazil is today 
sending God's word not only to Brazil but sending it to other countries as well and one of the churches I visited in the town of Belém at the mouth of the Amazon the night I was there they were appealing for support for four missionaries from that church to go to Canada a church which already supported 13 missionaries in different countries of the world but in Brazil the great, op the great opposition to the word of God today comes from superstition comes from something called Macumba now some of you may have read in the newspapers about Macumba it's a uh, it's a form of spiritism which has come partly from Africa and partly from France and has taken root in Brazil and it is reckoned that that up to half of the 140 odd million people in Brazil are involved to some extent in Macumba Now, Macumba involves animal sacrifices offering of chickens and the shedding of their blood it involves a, a great deal of black magic it's a superstition which grips and which binds the hearts of millions eh, of Brazilians. And the word of God is being discovered today as the only means of delivering men and women from this. Some of the highest people in the land of Brazil may be nominally, nominally, and I emphasize nominally Christians. But when the crunch comes, when they're up against it, when they're down to the bottom line, they turn to Macumba. And I was told again and again that it was the word of God and only the word of God which was able to deliver men and women. Just a few weeks ago I met an evangelist from Brazil who was over in Europe. And he told me that as he travels around Brazil, he gets threats from the worshippers of Macumba. He said he's found a sacrificed chickens hanging on the, on the door of his hotel room. as a warning that they have invoked the curse of the devil upon him. But he says, I believe in the power of God's word and in the power of Christ to deliver me and to defend me. And you see the opposition, the barrier to the word of God there in Brazil. And I hope, God willing, on Friday evening at the meeting in the Nicholson Institute to say more about the ways in which the Word of God is, is breaking through into the lives of, of men and women in Brazil. I never forget meeting a man in the same town of Belém which I mentioned earlier whose face was radiant with the love of Christ. He couldn't read. He was well over 60. He, was, he wasn't going to learn to read. But he spends his days distributing leaflets copies containing short portions of the Word of God and the buses and the street corners among his neighbors and his face was alight because he told me that two years ago he was brought by the grace of God to be delivered from Akumba he was delivered from this fear of evil spirits delivered from this fear of devil worship he was set free he said I can't I can't speak he said I'm not a, I'm not an orator I can't read, but I can thank Jesus for what he's done for me by distributing his word. And he told me that for years he never went out of his house without carrying a gun in his belt and a knife in his sock. Now he said, I no longer carry these things because I've been delivered from the fear 
of people who may put spells on me, of people who may invoke a curse upon me. I've been delivered by the power of God's word and by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the word of God still today breaks through the barrier of superstition. And let us remember that that barrier is still there. That underneath the veneer of civilization which has come in many countries, there is superstition. Even in our own country we are seeing a return to Satanism. I heard just a few weeks ago of a group of Satanists in Edinburgh who meet to pray to Satan that he would disrupt the marriages of Christian leaders in that city. Prayer being offered to Satan that he would break the marriages of Christian people in the city of Edinburgh. And we need today to rediscover the power of the word of God to break through that kind of barrier. Because as our Christian civilization alas is crumbling away, the vacuum is being filled by a return to the old paganism, to the old superstition that we had when the, when the Druids were here. We find that being, being coming in again. And we need to rediscover the power of the word of God to break through barriers such as these. And so the word of God breaks through the barrier of superstition just as it breaks through the barrier of illiteracy. But there are also ideological barriers in the world in which we live. And the world in which we live is divided in two ways. First of all between north and south and basically the division there is social and economic. But it is also divided between east and west between the, the, the communist world and the capitalist world. And many, in many instances, the word of God has suffered in communist countries. A communist country is officially an atheist country. And especially in the early days of a revolution, the word of God suffers. This was the case in China during the Cultural Revolution in the 1960s. Hundreds of thousands of Bibles were literally burnt, were destroyed in that land. Christians were dismissed from their positions and they were sent either to prison or to work in communes in another part of the land. The church suffered greatly. And where the word of God became very scarce. And people actually hand-copied the scriptures. And for a number of years, the Bible societies organized a program in Manila on the radio which dictated, which read the Bible at dictation speed so that people could write down in their own handwriting the Word of God. But today we thank God that that barrier is being overcome in that we have seen a dramatic change in the attitude of the Chinese government to the Western world as a whole and to the production of the Word of God in particular. We see today that China, from having become one of the most closed of the communist countries, is perhaps one of the most open today, open to Western influence, open to Western ideas. An extraordinary situation. It was my privilege just to spend one day in the Republic of China 
uh, 18 months ago when I was on my way to Korea and I was constantly amazed by the openness and the frankness of uh, the guide as he took this uh, tourist group round a part of China next to Hong Kong. And so we see barriers being overcome so that today the Bible societies have been able with the full permission of the Chinese government to make an arrangement with a university, the University of Nanking, the normal University of Nanking, to build a printing press. It's a joint project. The university will produce academic books for the university. And the Bible societies, or the Amity Foundation, which has been set up in China, will produce copies of the scriptures. And we have been guaranteed that at least a quarter of a million Bibles and half a million New Testaments will be produced on this printing press every year. Now what a difference from the 1960s when Bibles were being burnt. What a dramatic difference. The Word of God can overcome barriers of ideology and one has seen an, an easing of the situation also in Eastern Europe I hope to say something at the Youth Fellowship this evening about a recent visit I made to Eastern Europe but let me emphasize that although by no means is the door as widely open as we would like and nor is the situation similar from one country to another nevertheless there has been a gradually and a quite remarkable easing of the situation so that in all countries in Eastern Europe except Albania it is possible on occasions to produce the scriptures or to import them. In some countries these occasions may be not very frequent, a country like Bulgaria for example, but in countries like East Germany, in countries like Romania, in countries like Poland and increasingly thank God in Russia, at least among the Baptists. These countries are opening up. The ideological barriers are being broken down. God's word is finding its way. And so much so that in many ways our brothers and sisters in Eastern Europe appreciate the word of God more deeply than we do. And perhaps they have a depth of spirituality and a depth of devotion to Christ which we might well envy. And they are able in their own situation to exercise a ministry of, or, 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 in a low profile of communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're communicating that message not only to their own people but also to students who come from many different countries of the world, some of them with socialist governments or some of them with, uh, with, with, sent by, 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 by the Communist Party, sponsored by the Communist Party. I heard a few years ago of a Latin American religious uh, leader who went to Russia and he sat down in the Baptist church and to his amazement he discovered himself sitting beside someone who had a Spanish Bible and he asked this lad who he was, where he came from and he said he came from Colombia he told him his story. He said, I was sent here by a communist student group in Colombia to become a better Marxist. He said he'd been brought up in an evangelical home. He'd rebelled against his upbringing. He'd become a communist. And he became a leader. 
and he was handpicked to be sent to Moscow to become a student. He got a bursary. And when he was in Moscow, he met Russian Baptist Christians who witnessed to him and brought him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, that young man was arrested by the word of God. And he came to Christ in communist Russia. And he's gone back to his own country, a Christian man. The word of God is not bound. The word of God can break through the barriers which men and women erect against it. God's word, God's word is not bound. God's word does its own work. But nevertheless, we see from this story that God, God gives his word in such a way that he uses people like Jeremiah and people like Baruch. In other words, God has chosen to work through individual men and women. God uses people. And because God uses people, God needs people. And it's not simply a question of, of, of thanking God for his word, but also praying that God may provide the people and the means through which that word might be communicated. And I want to thank you on, the part, on behalf of the Bible Society for all that you've done through your gifts and through your prayers to enable us to do what, in a sense, Baruch did. To put the word of God into print. To communicate the word of God and to be able to overcome the barriers which, by his grace, he has enabled us to overcome. We want to thank you because without the help of Christian people in Scotland, it would not have been possible to do what has been done. God used Barah. And God is today using individual Christian men and women who are enabling the word of God to spread. And as it spread, it fulfills these two roles which we've noticed here. It breaks in and disturbs the complacency of sinful men and women. But it also breaks through the barriers, these great barriers which we erect against it. And God in his grace has enables us today to continue this ministry. There are some leaflets at the door which explain ways and means in which you might be able to help further should you so desire. Please feel free to take one with you. But let me covet above all your prayers and let me urge you also to spread God's word here. Now, I'm sure you might say everybody in Stornoway has a Bible. Well, that may well be, and probably they do, and I would be surprised if that's not the case. But there may well be, and I'm sure there are, men and women and young people in Stornoway who are keeping the word of God at arm's length. And perhaps God is asking some of us here to be his witnesses to encourage men and women to open God's word, to share it with others, to spread it. We think of the large number of visitors that come to the island in the summer, an opportunity to spread the word of God, perhaps in their own language if they come from abroad. And sometimes when people are, are away in a strange land, they're more open, an opportunity to spread the word of God. Over in Alipul, they have a supply of Russian Bibles 
to give to the Russian sailors as they, as they come in there an opening to spread the word of God. All of us need to be alert to the opportunity. Because God gives us opportunities if we have eyes to see. We don't need to go out and look for them. We don't need to go out and collar people and drive the gospel down their throats. We don't need to do that. God provides us with the opportunities if we have eyes to see them. If we're alert uh, to what he has to what to what he has to uh, to what he is doing. The challenge that we are facing today here in the Western world is, I believe, a challenge to live by the Word of God. Not to live according to the, the materialism of our age, or the pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure, which is so common, but to live according to the Word of God. To be willing to live as the word, with the Word of God as our scepter. To be willing to lose our lives in order that we might find them for Christ. I was reading the other day that in the Turkana language, which is spoken by the people, the tribal people who live in a, a very dry, arid desert area in the north of Kenya, that the phrase which they have used to translate uh, that, 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 that sentence in this, that saying of Jesus, whoever loses his life, the verb loses, uh, the, the word that is used there is a word which means to pour out liquid from a container. And the, the person who was writing the article I was reading belonged to the, 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 he was a native speaker of Turkana. And he said, here in the desert, water is the most precious thing we have. And he said, that's why the translators chose that verb to bring home to us what Christ is saying here. Are we willing to give up the most precious things we have? in order that Christ's will might be done in us and through us, in order that we might live under his lordship as he mediates his lordship through his word, in order that he and he alone might be lord of all. That surely is the challenge that God's word brings to us. God's word has been given as the scepter of Christ and we are being challenged to we follow him or do we live for the materialism? Do we live for the pleasure of our age? Which way are we going today? Are we going the way of the world? Or are we going the way of Christ? And of his word? May God grant that all of us here may go the way of Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious Lord and God, we give thee thanks again this morning for thy word. That word which was given so many centuries ago to Jeremiah the prophet, a word which is still so relevant to us in our situation today. And we give thanks, O Lord, that that word is a word which the Holy Spirit brings, illuminates and brings to life in our experience. And we pray that he may fulfill that ministry now, that we may indeed Commander, not only the sound, but also the power of the word of Christ. And we pray for the spread of that word among us and in our own land and in all the nations of the earth. Be pleased, O Lord, to bless that seed. May it germinate. May it burst forth into life. May it become the seed of eternal life in the hearts of millions of men and women. And grant, O Lord, that here in our own land and in the Western nations, 
we may see this uh, tide of materialism and of the pursuit of pleasure being stemmed by the word of God that men and women may be challenged to rediscover that their chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy thee forever. Grant, O Lord, that thou wilt therefore own and bless thy word and enable us to be willing like Barak to be instruments in passing it on to others. May we be faithful to this word which thou hast given to us. For we ask it in and for the sake of Christ. Amen.